And so uh, we're going to be jumping into something. You know, I wanted to start a little bit different today because there's a lot of things being said as far as out of the churches yesterday morning. As a matter of fact, I, I told the group last night at Freedom in Christ, I was listening to the radio, just a message. A guy was preaching and he was talking about sin and how we no longer talk about sin. We no longer talk about the effects of sin. We no longer talk about hell. Uh, and we, there was a day and time when people really understood that there really is a hell and that we should go out and tell people about hell more so than the love of Jesus. Because if we told them more about hell, we might, you know, have an opportunity to save their soul from hell. Well, let me just say this about that, all right? Uh, I, I don't believe that's true. I believe that the love of Jesus compels us to a place, as we're discipled in Him, compels us to a place where we no longer have the sin that once so easily entangled us. The Apostle Paul says it this way, or actually I say Paul, um, we'll say the author of Hebrews, he says that we should lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. And so to lay aside something means that we grow beyond it. At, at, at some point in time, it no longer has us by its grip. So over the next uh, four weeks I'll be talking to, I'll be going into a series, actually starting today because I wanted to lay a foundation, but starting next week we'll be talking about sin and the dangers of sin, the effects of sin, and, and yet you're going to see in each one of these messages that the love of Christ is what has to grow in us in order to, to go out through our bodies because sin is in our body, sin is in our members. Pastor Paul uh, spoke to the staff last week about sin being in our members why is it so difficult to let sin go because it gets it, it really does get entangled within our members within our hands within our eyes within our thoughts and so we're going to be talking about that over the next uh four or five weeks and i would encourage you to bring people this isn't a message that's going to be condemning I, i'm not trying to condemn people as a matter of fact what i'm trying to do is is men i want us to be set free from the sin that entangles us sometimes the very the most sinful thing we have is our tongue it's what we say. It's how we speak. We've been going through this sermon series on words and the danger that words last forever. That out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we're going to be talking about some of those things over the next few weeks. Today, uh, I'm going to start here with James chapter 2, verse 10. And this is what the scripture says. This is James. James is a little harder on people <laughs> than the Apostle Paul. All right, James is the half-brother of Jesus, and he's got some things to say here. He walked next to a sinless man. He was the brother of a sinless man. He's the brother of our Lord. And so this is what it says, James chapter 2, verse 10, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Okay, well, let's just shut it up then and go home. Because I bet most of us have broken one of the laws. Okay, and you're sitting out there saying, well, not me. I never murdered anyone. Jeez, I, I've never committed adultery. I've never done these things. And isn't it interesting that Jesus kind of talks about that? Because that's how the religious thought, the religious, the Pharisees, you know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he, Matthew 5 through 7, he basically talks about that. He said, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, you're saying that you never did this. But if you've ever thought that, then maybe you've done it. So, so Jesus is showing that, that sin does entangle us and that sin separates us from God. We, we can read about that all throughout the New Testament, that sin separates us from God. But James chapter 2, verse 10 says, says this, that if you've committed 
one of these sins, if you've broken the law in any way, then, then you've sinned. Then, then, then something's happened with you. Now, to say that, I'm, I've got to also follow up with this, and you're going to hear this over the next few weeks. Watch this. Not all sin's the same. I think that's another lie that's out there today. Not all sin is the same. In other words, uh, we tend to say, well, one sin's too much for the kingdom of God, and so the blood of Jesus has to cover that in our lives in order for us to move on for eternity to be with Christ. That's true, but not all sin is the same. I, I, I will never believe that driving 85 to church this morning, it's okay, I'm forgiven. I'm just going to get you all confused, aren't I? Would be the same or be the equivalence of committing murder in God's eyes. So how are we going to unfold this? What's this going to look like? How, how are we going to move forward and, and talk about this over the next few weeks? Well, you just got to stay hooked because I'm just trying to bait the hook right now. And hopefully you'll take the bait. Hopefully you'll invite more men. Hopefully we'll be setting up three, four, five more tables by the time this message series is over because this is a very important thing for us to learn. It's a very important thing for us to hold on to. When I, uh, when I was growing up, there was a song, and it was considered a contemporary song. You know, contemporary songs created all kinds of trouble and dilemmas with traditional churches. And there was a song that we used to sing because it was halfway traditional and it was halfway contemporary. And it was called Holiness. Any of you ever remember the song Holiness? Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Okay, yeah, okay, good. There, there are some of you this morning, right, from the old church. <clears throat> holiness is an opportunity for us to understand God's love and how great it is in us and understand His strength, His power, because the Scripture says, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So holiness is the opportunity to participate in God's strength within us. His strength within us in, in, in order to overcome the sin that indwells us. Did you get that? Okay, that's a big statement. Just go back and listen to it. But holiness is that opportunity to participate with God and recognize the greatness, the goodness, the inward strength that he gives us to overcome the sin that entangles us. That's holiness. So I wanted to lay the foundation this morning about, uh, about being holy, about holiness. I think if we're going to talk about sin, we've got to talk about the opposite of sin. The opposite of sin is holy. Now, I grew up in a day and time, and I share this, uh, I guess I shared it in the Freedom in Christ. We didn't this weekend, but... Uh, there's been times I've given the righteousness talk and talked about holiness a little bit because we grow up uh, thinking of holiness this way, that we have the Holy Bible. Here it is. We've got the Holy Bible. We've got the Holy Table. We've got the Holy Elements. Right? We've got the Holy Place. We've got the Holy Space. Things that are set aside, set apart, if you will. And we've got lowly people. Maybe you grew up that way. You know, don't touch this. You know, maybe you grew up in the Catholic Church where... Um, they have the tabernacle and, and that type of thing. And, and you know that only the priest, right, can touch. Only the priests are able to serve the communion in that type of way. Why? Because it's holy, it's set apart. But here's what Jesus wants us to know. Jesus wants us to know that we are the ones that are called to be holy. <laughs> you can have your holy places, you can have your, your holy uh, traditions, but the truth is what the Scripture speaks of when it speaks of holiness is speaking of us. We're the vessels of God. It's not the communion cup. It's not the bread. 
It's not the cross. The vessel of God to the world, the light of God and Christ to the world, that's us. And that's what the scripture speaks to. So I want to talk about holiness because in reality, holiness is actually in opposition to sin. And holiness has a process. It is a process. See, we tend to, you can take, take it from the extreme. One of the things I love about the Catholic Church is the catechism and, and the times that they, they still teach confirmation and those types of things because what they're doing is they're trying to show that being a disciple, and when I say Catholicism, let me also say this, okay, some of the mainline traditional churches still teach catechisms as well as uh, uh, confirmation. And what they're trying to show is this, that, that being a disciple is a process. Now listen, men, removing sin is not always through a prayer. You can be delivered from sin immediately in a prayer and with a prayer, but it doesn't always happen that way. But when Jesus says go into all the world and make disciples, to make something is a process. And so if you're frustrated this morning because of the sin in your life, stay in the process. It is a process, and as you grow up in this process, eventually what happens is, is the sin that entangled you, God will remove it and set you free to the place of life. Now, you may say, Curtis, do you sin? <laughs> yes, but I'm not a sinner. Now, watch this, and I'm not a sinner saved by grace. Now, that just kind of burns us to the core because that's what we grew up hearing. But I don't identify myself as a sinner today. If Jesus bought me with a price and he shed every bit of blood for me, then this is what it's taught me, that Jesus has, has paid the ultimate. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That's what scripture says. So that brings me to a place of understanding, hey, I must be more than just a sinner and more than just saved in this grace. That, yes, it's his grace. It's through his ability. Grace, you can just put down there if you were at the Freedom in Christ this weekend you, you heard this, but grace can be defined as his ability. For it is by grace that you have been saved, not of works, Ephesians 2.8. Well, true, it is by his ability. Now, however, I'm not going identify, to identify myself as a sinner. I say it this way many times. I can uh, bark like a dog, and I'm not a dog. I can wear a dress, and I'm not a lady, even though there are some that would refute that today. Trying to disagree with what the Lord created them to be and I can sin but I'm not a sinner so yes there there I can sin no doubt I can have a bad thought I can say a bad word someone can cut me off in traffic there's no doubt but I'm not going to identify I want to start identifying with my sainthood or or even a better word than sainthood to me I want to identify with my discipleship with who I'm following what he did for me in order to begin to separate myself from the sin that looks to entangle me so James chapter 2 makes a, a point here he just says for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point he is guilty of all of course he's talking to the religious and the religion at that time who are trying to call other people and hold them accountable to the 200 plus commandments that were added to the original 10 so they're very religious and they're trying to condemn people based upon their moral character and Jesus came that we might be set free. This becomes very important. I know this is a, a deep theological paradigm here, but uh, you're going to see how this all unwinds, hopefully, in the next three years. 
So I've got to talk about holiness for just a moment. Holiness, it means to be set apart. As believers in Christ, we are set apart. The Apostle Paul stated it this way, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We are set apart, and we are to walk in this holiness that he's given us. Now, you may not know necessarily what holiness is. Here's some simple truths about holiness. Holiness is a state of being, not a state of doing. Listen. (laughs) Holiness is a state of being. If it's a state of being, then that tells me this. This is why I can say, I can sin, but I'm not a sinner. Because my state of being is not, I'm not going to allow it to stay in this state of, of sinning. You, and, and guess what? <laughs> we'll get into this, but you're going to have to physically sometimes do some things in order to remove sin from your life. However, I'm not identifying with that because the truth in me is that I am forgiven. When Jesus died, he paid the price for all. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said it is finished. That word is tetelestai in the Greek, and it simply means you cannot add to it. You can't take away from it. It's a finished work. So it all comes down to my belief. Do I believe it's finished, and do I believe not only in who Jesus is and what he did for me, but who I am in Christ? That's going to play out in all of this. Holiness is a state of being. It's knowing who you are, and it's upholding the righteousness of God. Holiness is being in the world, but not of the world. Right? The last thing I, I want to tell people is, hey, all of you need to become monks. Right? <clears throat> oh, I'd love to give you some monk, monkey history. Right? It's a great history. A monkey is a great evolutionary process that happened. Just kidding, guys. <clears throat> but there are some. There's a great history in that. Man, I, uh, St. Patrick. Any of you know the story of St. Patrick? Okay, we'll talk about it later, maybe. We don't have time this morning. But just to see how, how even they began to understand that it's not, it's not a good thing for us to separate our holiness from the population because then what happens? The population doesn't have holiness within it. So then they, they move the monasteries within the cities over uh, a period of, of hundreds of years. They eventually realized this and tried to put the monasteries in the middle of the cities so that people would have to walk through them, walk around them. Why? So maybe some of the holiness would stick to them as well. All right? See, holiness is being in the world but not of the world. Holiness in, is life in me. It's Christ in me. If you have addictions this morning, if, if you have some besetting sins, a besetting sin is a sin that just sticks to you day in, day out. You just can't seem to be released from it. Something's going on. Stay attached here. This is going to be important for you this morning and the mornings to come. 1 Peter 1.13 says this, this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. I think it's interesting that Peter says, uh, your mind needs to be alert and it needs to be fully sober. To understand the mysteries of God, your mind needs to be alert and fully sober, right? Set your hope on the grace, on God's ability to be brought to you when Jesus Christ has revealed it is coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. This is almost as bad and it's almost as offensive as Jesus saying it this way, be perfect as I am perfect. Who in the world can do that? 
See, I think we read passages like that and we get frustrated because we say, I can't be perfect as Jesus was perfect, and I sure can't be holy as the Heavenly Father is holy. Who can do that? Well, it's a command. And listen, God can't set the bar any lower than who He is. Jesus is perfect. How could He say, hey, be almost like me? He can't say that. He's going to say, be like me. A Christian is an extension of, is a disciple of who they follow, Christ. We're extensions, and that's going to be important because when we talk about the extension of the members in our body, we're going to be talking about that very thing, that we are extensions of the body of Christ, and that's why when sin is in its members, it creates division and does not bring unity. Because if we can divide something, if we can think about this for a minute, you take a piece of the body, you cut my finger off and set it over here, how long is it going to last? Roping with a Young man once and caught his finger in a coil. <laughs> Trey Johnson. <laughs> right? Pissed his slack and anyway, whoops. But he had so long to get that finger sewn back on. And so they sewed his finger on and it didn't take because it was too long. It had already died, if you will. And so they took his big toe off. They sewed it on his thumb. It didn't take. So it died. So the tray, bless the heart, can only count to nine. It's a bad thing, right? Members can get out there and wind up dying. And, and so this is, this is where we're going with this. He says that be holy as I am holy. Stay connected as God is connected. He will help you. The Heavenly Father will lead you into holiness. He'll lead you into this place that we're supposed to be. When my kids were born, they were immediately houses. Just as we're born again, we are sons and daughters of God. However, through the years... My kids walk with me, they talk with me, they learn my values, they learn my morals, they learn my character. You know, we want that to be picked up in our children, to carry it on. So one day they will represent the house family well to a world that needs, needs the house family, if you will. That's the way it is with Christ. That as we walk with Christ, see, He's sanctifying us, He's showing us, He's given us strength, He's given us the ability to overcome the obstacles, the sin in our life. It's important for us to walk with Christ and walk with God daily and not get frustrated. Because as we do that, what He's doing is He's actually allowing this holiness, another, to be set apart. We also move a little bit further. And, and we call it sanctification. Now, sanctification is this, that as we walk with our Father, our Heavenly Father, He reveals sin to us. Sometimes we don't even need it revealed to us because we, we're, it's blatant sin. It's that besetting sin. It's something that we always go back to. Uh, the Bible says it's like a man who, or like a dog who continues to go back to his vomit. For some of us, that's, that's the difficult thing. How do we break that off? How do we cut that off? Well, you continue to walk with your fa- Heavenly Father who is perfect, by the way who wants you to be perfect. And so what he does is he reveals to you sin in your life. He reveals to you ways of overcoming that. And that's a process known as sanctification. Sanctification is, is like a pig in a waller. <laughs> this will get you, won't it? And, and what that pig is doing in that waller is, is he's rooting up. He's continually, if you've ever seen them in there, they just constantly got their nose down, they're rooting up, they're rooting up, they're rooting up. Well, it's kind of it's God doing that to your heart. It's kind of God doing that to who you are. He's rooting out the sin in your life. 
And that's a process known as sanctification. So you got sin in your life, and, and, and this is what it looks like. It looks like a dirty cup of water. And God says, hey, but I want you to be holy as I am holy. I want your vessel to be clean so that you can present my light. My light won't be dimmed. I mean, if you were to shine a flashlight through that, how much light would you get? But you see, as we walk with our Heavenly Father, this is what He does. And this is going to be, become really important. You just keep walking. You see the process? The first drop didn't really change the water. But as you continue to pour it in, I could end the message right here. That's sanctification. That's, this right here is, is the rooting out of sin. It's the walking with the Father to, to be holy. And you can see how much that cleared out. But it didn't get it all, so... We just keep going. Speed it up a little bit. Sometimes you need, sometimes you need the full dose, right? Now, answer this: Will a light shine through that? And so, and so, Jesus says it this way: To let your light shine before men. Let my light shine through you. And that's kind of what sin does. Sin has, has a way of muddying the water in your life and keeping, it, and keeping the light from shining through us. So holiness is, is our way of walking with Jesus. And as we walk with Him, He reveals the sin to us. And, and as He reveals that, He also gives us the way to overcome that sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Right? No temptation has overtaken you, but that which is common to man, and God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able to endure. And with that temptation, he says, will provide a way of escape or a way out, depending on which version you're reading. So with temptation, he will provide. Now, if he provides it, does that mean that we have to take it? Absolutely not. He doesn't force you to take the way out. He provides a way out. Do you want to be clean? Do you want to be sanctified? Do you want to be holy? I hope you do. There's a lot of enemies against that today. Uh, Y'all remember Antonin Scalia. Uh, he was one of the chief justices who, remember, mysteriously came up dead. I'm not trying to have conspiracy theory. All right, but that's kind of how the news portrayed it. You remember the guy? Come on, guys. Wake up this morning. Good lands. I'm a little tired myself, but this is what he said. Watch. He said, God assumed from the beginning that the wise of the world would view Christians as fools. What's this? Because as you walk with Christ, and even though you're clean, and even though you're pure, and even though you're holy, this is what Scalia said. He said, the world would view Christians as fools. He has not been disappointed. If I have brought any message today, it is this. Have the courage to have your wisdom regarded as stupidity. Be fools for Christ. Have the courage to suffer the contempt of the sophisticated world. Because in our sophisticated world today, as good as the colleges and universities claim to be, as much information as they put out, second to the Bible, the highest selling volume of books are those of self-help. 
So that tells me something. Just as Scalia said, the world says do it this way and it muddies the waters. God says do it this way and I'll clean the waters. You know what it is to live free? Some of you remember when you were children and you were running around just living free, just crazy, crazy like that. Somebody said jump and you said you bet I will. It was a little high for you, broke your leg, but it was fun when it happened, right? You were just free to run and kind of do some things and have some fun. 1 Corinthians 1.21 for since, in the, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So God even here is saying, hey, you know, I'm pleased. Even if it sounds like foolishness, as you live your life for me and with me, I am pleased with you. I, I'm pleased with you. See, I'm a fool for Christ, but let me ask you, whose fool are you? There used to be a song that came on when I really got turned on for Jesus called Jesus Freak. Any of you remember Jesus Freak? Took me a while to catch what he said because I had to match the rhythm of his belly with my head. Jesus saves is what he raised in a typical tattoo green. Remember? Y'all want to hear the whole thing? Okay, I don't need it. 1 Samuel 17, 38. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head. So here's David, the story of David. David's about to go out and fight Goliath. All of you know the story. It's an incredible story. David's getting ready to go fight Goliath. Now all this armor is being put on to him by Saul. Saul is the king. Saul's been frustrated. Saul has seen the giant. People, I'm sure, are causing pressure upon the king saying, hey, are you going to do anything to fight that giant? That giant's right across the field there. He keeps yelling out. He keeps tempting us. You remember the giant's words? Send someone anyone send a man see the giant represents those big obstacles the big sin sometimes that's in our life the sin with the israelites that day and time was their unbelief god had had moved before them and on their behalf for years and now here here they are standing in front of this giant and they're saying how can we take him and then this little guy named david shows up and he says who is this uncircumcised philistine who defies the armies of the living god who is this guy why are we not doing something? I'll fight him. 14, 16 years old. Little. And here uh, Saul's like, well, we need somebody to. Goodness. You'll do. I guess you're the only volunteer I got. So Saul takes his armor. He puts his armor on David here. Clothing him, it says, with a coat of mail. Now, a coat of mail is heavy. Puts all this stuff on him. David girded his sword over his armor. Then he tried to go, but he could not, for he was not used to it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I'm not used to them, and David took them off. Now, I believe this is an example of what the world is trying to do with us. The world is saying you need to gird yourself this way in order to become this man in order to reach this destination. The world has a way of dressing you as well. But obviously, it's not working. If self-help books are second to the scriptures that are sold out there, I mean, and they continue to sell by the hundreds daily, by the thousands daily, then we've got a problem. I think the world has a way of trying to fight your enemies and trying to overcome your sin, and it's, it weights you down. It's, many times the churches do the very same thing. It's called religion. You got to do this. 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 I love it where John 6, well, what must we do to do the works of God? The disciples ask Jesus. He says, well, here's your work. Make it your work to believe in the one whom he sent. How about that? How about believing 
and the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. How about let's start there. See, Saul's armor represents the world. Many of us don't represent the family well. We might be going to heaven, but we're spreading a lot of hell around. We've bought into the lie that we can believe one thing and live another. But that's not holiness. That's not showing that you're set apart. It looks identical. See, to be set apart, holiness means to be set apart, to be separate. And that means that we're going to look a little bit different. But here's what Jesus promises. Your light will shine or my light will shine through you. People know the truth. Let me say it this way. People are drawn to the church truth. They may not know the truth, but they see the truth in you. And you've got to believe that. And you've got to believe that you're set apart to reveal that truth. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's important. If you went through the scriptures and just took out the words where this prevents you from seeing the Lord, um, Jesus said it this way. This is sitting in my notes. I hope I can remember this. Well, he said, um, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall what? see god you're on one of them that's the meek will inherit the earth but you're close yeah blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god and so purity is is uh, stands a lot with holiness right it's it's that that purity and as we're purified as we're sanctified guess what your vision of god becomes much more clear sin will corrupt that vision in your eyes purity will bring you to a place holiness will bring you to a place where your eyes begin to clear up the scripture refers to us as the bride of christ so our behavior must change as a result of the position we hold in our relationship with him it's not behavior modification that's not what we're after after we're after the relationship with him and through that relationship it begins to change our behavior you know what it's like if you've ever been married because there was a point in your time when you went man i'm i like this woman she looks good she's tangible she's everything i ever dreamed about she's she's beautiful she's courageous i don't want her to see my iniquities and so i'm going to change my behavior she's not going to know this part about me and i'm going to try to win her what i'm going to try to win her heart you know what that is and so you start to develop a relationship with her you start to walk with her and eventually you fool her to the point of marriage and now you're in a covenant and you're in this covenant with her and after a few years go by all of a sudden these iniquities start showing up she's like who who are you where'd that come from why 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 are you doing that why are you saying that i never heard you say a cuss word now you're saying cuss words at me now you're calling me names. You never called me a name when we were dating. You see, it's, it's, here's the truth. We can, we can many times modify our behavior and it looks good. But the strength is not in our strength. The strength is in what God modifies in us. And so what I'm trying to say is as we walk with Jesus, this is somewhat what Jesus is doing. He's saying, hey, come here. I want to show you how great I am. I'm a good guy. I, I died for your sin. I love you. The deal is, is that Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. He's always the same. So you, he's always consistent. He's not going to change once we come into relationship with him. And he's continually saying, walk with me, because as you walk with me, you're going to know my heart, and you will be transformed. See, there's a gospel out there known as sin 
management. It's this, you're all a bunch of sinners saved by grace. And this statement is still preached throughout the churches today. It's a statement of defeat. Since I'm just a sinner, I guess I better learn how to manage my sin. So since preachers believe it, so do the congregations. And eventually every sermon is the same. Come back next week and I'll tell you how to manage a different sin. And these people are often the most critical and judgmental. They're the ones that can pick out all the bad things in your life, right? They're dangerous. Without a healthy view of God and a healthy view of themselves, they become the haters in the community. This is why the media, and this is what the media has picked up on, the most judgmental people are those who are holding on to the Judaic Christian uh, heritage and history. And if they're Judeo-Christians, then here's the problem. The problem is, is they're so judgmental, we don't want anything to do with them. Our country is frustrated with this type of Christian because they see them as mean and archaic in nature. Oftentimes the sermon is hellfire and damnation. It contains the bullhorn preacher. I shared this a few months ago or maybe a couple of years ago about the bullhorn preacher preaching down there in Canyon. Had his boy telling everybody to repent and he had a big sign out there that said, uh, you know, you die, you go to hell and all this stuff. And so I pull up to the, to the light. And Allison's on, on that side. I was coming around the corner. Allison's my wife. And so I just rolled down her window with a guy standing right here yelling at her, right? And I said, hey, talk to this one. She's like, oh, my gosh, please. And she's just covering herself, you know, and trying to fall down the seat. And he's yelling on that bullhorn. Right? She repented. Praise God. See, if a person really does feel saved, then you better look out because uh, there are those others that are out there going to try to convince you that you're not. There's also the love shack. This is a dangerous theology. Many of us bought into the fact that God is love, and yes, He is, but possibly not as you suppose. Though He loves all, He is just and commands all. There are things that are forbidden in the body of believers, things we shouldn't do or participate in. They are not healthy, they do not represent the family, and they don't reproduce the values and morals of our Father. i give you some examples if you need these examples. Gay marriage. Look, they're going to say, God made me this way. No, He didn't. The world did. You see how contaminated the world. I want you to look here. This is the world. And you see how contaminated it is. And where to be this light in the middle. Gay clergy. Any and all who feel the call should be ordained. No, they shouldn't. Animal rights. Animals over people. We stole their land, right? No, the scripture says that we were called to subdue the earth. Not abuse it, by the way, just subdue it, okay? They're well-meaning people who oftentimes are the ones who clothe the naked, give drink to the thirsty, feed the poor, serve well, but they don't tell them why they do it because it might offend them to mention the name of Jesus. And the scripture tells us there's no name in heaven and earth, above the earth, below the earth that is greater than the name of Jesus when you run out of words men don't run out of that one your sanctification may just come by saying Jesus 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 all day that might be the greatest application to the message today it's just to say Jesus 
I pray we don't fall into either of these two camps or others. Jesus gives us a grave warning in Matthew 25. We did all these things in your name. Depart from me, for I never knew you, is what he says. So many in the church today live their lives in one of these wrong paradigms. Either they love, love, love everyone, and they have an open door for everyone, and they'll never tell them the truth, or they're over in the other camp condemning everyone. So what is right? What should it look like? It should look like Christ in us. Not, not that we're perfect, not that we don't sin, not that we don't need help. It's a process. As I was pouring the water into this, it was a process of washing that out. Those of you who are farmers, ranchers, who have been around livestock, you know to clean the tank, you take the water hose, you push it down to the bottom of the tank, you turn it on as hard as it will go, and you start getting that water swirling, and you leave. And hopefully over a period of three, four, five hours, you come back and the dirt's been stirred up over the edge and now you have a clean tank, similar to what you just saw here. And sometimes that's what we need to do just as Christians. And this is where I'm going to stop today. Remember, you don't manage sin. Biblically, there is no formula for coping or managing sin. Biblically, you are dead to sin and alive to God through Christ. Paul in Romans 6 11 says even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ and we'll talk about over the next few weeks how to crucify the flesh put to death the things of the flesh and learn to walk in the light of Christ and I hope you'll come and participate that with me in that there's some basic easy questions in front of you and i want you to talk about those for a little bit if some of you need to leave and go to work i completely understand but i thank you for coming this morning now i want you to hear hear me before i quit this message is not a series to be condemning at all and you're not going to be condemned what we're going to talk about is how to become holy and how to become clear so that his light can shine through us and we can make a difference in the community and hopefully in this world that we are called to serve in. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for these men. I thank you for this time together. Father, may we truly be your light to a world that desperately needs you. In Jesus' name, amen.